You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. New York Giants fans, and welcome to your Valentine's Views podcast for Monday, December twenty sixth. As the uh, as we look forward to uh, to the New York Giants having a a playoff clinching game this coming weekend at MetLife Stadium, and we look back at a missed opportunity for the Giants to to actually clinch the playoffs on uh, on Saturday in their their loss to the Minnesota Vikings. Ed Valentine with you here, as always. Tony Del Genio is also here. And uh, those of you watching as we live stream on YouTube, uh, notice that uh, that Tony is not with us in terms of, of video. Tony's having some camera difficulties today. So you folks uh, just get to stare at, at, at my beautiful face you know for for the next uh, half hour 40 minutes or so so uh but but anyway let's let's get into it tony hope you had a good christmas hope all of our all of our listeners and viewers had a good christmas as well i did Ed, and i hope you had a good christmas too oh it's always fun it's always you know how it is tony it's always fun to uh to to watch the grandkids it's always fun to watch the little ones and, and how <laughs> excited they are <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, Christmas morning is a is a really, really big thing, uh, and, and I think the whole the whole Christmas season is kind of a, a marathon that we run, and uh, and the morning after everyone is just kind of exhaling. <laughs> I know I slept late this morning. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but uh, hey, let's let's get into uh, talking about the Giants here a little bit, and Giants missed an opportunity to clinch on on Saturday and Lord knows how many times I almost wrote Sunday when I was doing uh, post game stuff. And I actually did end up writing Sunday in a headline, which I had to correct. So if I say Sunday here during the, during the podcast, then, uh, th- then so be it because it's, it's still hard for me to, <laughs> to, to think Saturday as game day, but giants missed an opportunity. All of the teams that they needed to lose, over the weekend lost the giants couldn't quite come away with the with the victory over the vikings but as i wrote at big blue view i couldn't come away really upset about anything that i saw on saturday i don't know what i don't know how you felt tony but that's how i felt it just I looked at the way the giants competed i looked at how close they came to winning that game against a really good team and i just couldn't Considering where the Giants came from, I couldn't get upset about the fact that they didn't win. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. I'm I'm feeling very good this morning, and I think uh, the the way I look at it, you know, we we don't expect this to be a Super Bowl winning team this year, and you want to see signs of progress. And obviously, the Giants have faltered a little bit in the second half of the season as their schedules gotten harder. 
And uh, the question, I think, you know, in my mind is, can the Giants hang with good teams? And they've hung with every team they played all year until they got to Philadelphia. And then Philadelphia totally outclassed them. And uh, even Dallas, really, they, you know, they were in both of their games uh, against Dallas. And if they would played a little better, they could have they, they, they could have even snatched one of those games. But um, uh, the Philadelphia game was the one that started to worry me. A little bit and so i was curious as to how they would stack up against a team with a great passing offense and uh they did okay they and they lost and of course the giants specialize in losing on 60 yard field goals at the end yes, of the they game. do good lord <laughs> but but you know the giants competed they played well they came back they had a they had a late fourth quarter drive to tie the game up with a two-point conversion uh you know a lot to a lot to like in what you saw absolutely and and i keep reminding people to or i try to remind people to have some perspective here this is a team that went four and 13 a year ago this is a team that hasn't played a legitimate you know forget 2020 when they were six and ten and sort of could have kind of backed into the playoffs. That was not a playoff-worthy football team. But they haven't played legitimate, big, meaningful football games since 2016. This is a team that entering 2022 was tied with the New York Jets for the worst record in football over the last five years. And win, lose, or draw, because we've seen a draw this year already, Keep some perspective, Giants fans. You're playing big, meaningful football games and competing well in them late in December into January with a really, really good chance at this point of making the playoffs. So for me, for me, it would have been really nice to win. But for me, I just... It's it's all good. What's happened this year is 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 all good for the Giants. It it bodes well for the future. And and for me, that's the biggest point. I just it would have been nice to win. Obviously, it's always nicer to win than lose. But I just can't I can't get all worked up and feel badly about what happened Saturday. I just can't. Yeah, and you and you know that that they lost because of known weaknesses on the team and absolutely known, and those known weaknesses have something to do with the injuries uh that they've had and it's not even just a lack of personnel although there is a lack of personnel in some areas but uh but but the people who aren't on the field because they're injured uh might have made the difference in that game absolutely and uh tony as we live stream i'm going to take a quick little detour here um We've got a question from Steven Gonzalez on YouTube asking if uh, if there's any information on when the Giants will get Xavier McKinney and Dory Jackson back. And, and let me just quickly answer that. At this point, there is not. The Giants haven't practiced yet this week. We speak to Brian Dayball a little bit later this afternoon. We won't see the Giants on the practice field until Wednesday when we'll probably have a better idea my guess, Dayball indicated last week that that Adoree Jackson is a little farther ahead than uh, than Xavier McKinney. If we're going to see either of them this weekend against Indianapolis, I think it might be Adoree Jackson. 
but I'm not 100% certain of any of that because neither of them has practiced now in uh, in several weeks. So just we'll, we'll see what happens later in the week, but I think uh, I still don't think we're going to see Xavier McKinney, but, uh, but I, at this point I'd say Jackson's a maybe. So... So let's get back to uh, let's get back to to Saturday. Let's get back to uh, to talking about about Giants and, and Vikings and, and upcoming Giants against Colts. And I think uh, overall, Tony, I think that that I what what we have to say, I think, is that is that everything that we've seen this year bodes well for the future of, of the New York Giants. I, I, you agree with that? Absolutely. I think the Giants are, first of all, they've got, I think now, a, a an established and fearsome defensive line. Um, they've got an offensive line that is coming along. It's obviously there's still work to do, but there are some some signs of, of hope there. Uh, they, they clearly need help at wide receiver, but they've managed to bring in several good wide receivers. And... Uh, uh, you know, they, uh, they obviously need help at linebacker. The secondary is a work in progress, but again, if they got the guys back that, uh, that, that were injured, uh, that secondary would look different. Um, I feel like I'm starting to see Cordell Flott come along and, and start to contribute. Yes. He had a, what I considered the turning point of the game that he couldn't quite hold on to that interception, because to me, to me, that was, that was the the game about to swing in the giants favor. And, and when that was, I think correctly called a, a non-interception that really changed everything. So I believe Minnesota then drove for a touchdown when they, when they were able to, uh, to keep the ball. But the fact is he was in position to break up the pass and, and intercept in the first place. And uh, he got a great PFF score in the time that he played 20 some odd snaps. And so, uh, you know, I, I think the, the, the defensive back situation is, is, is moving along. It's not there yet, but it's moving along. So there are, there are parts of the team that are, that are, you know, starting to look uh, better. And of course you have the quarterback situation. And I thought Daniel Jones played, played very well on saturday uh yes he had the interception but it was his first interception in five games and you know you look around the league and i see tua who everyone was crowning as this big breakout quarterback uh maybe maybe the class of uh of the, of the 2020 quarterback class throwing three interceptions in the fourth quarter with the game on the line uh so you know i think people people are, are always overly critical of their own quarterback and they don't look at what's going around uh, elsewhere in the league. But I think Jones is Jones is playing like a, a borderline top 10 quarterback, I would say. You know, Tony, you, uh, you, you brought up the Daniel Jones topic and it's one that I absolutely wanted to get into. And fact of the matter is that quarterbacks always get too much credit when teams you when, when things go well they get too much blame for when when teams don't win and i'm sorry if you can look at if you look at saturday's giants vikings game and don't understand how well daniel jones played how much he did for that team under tremendous pressure having to throw more than 40 times, which I think was a season high 
you know, facing the pass rush that he faced, having to do so much with, by and large, so little around him. If you don't understand how well Daniel Jones played, then I can't help you. I just can't help you. Then you just don't, to me, you just don't understand what you're looking at. You mentioned Tua. And and what I wanted to say is, if you don't understand how well Jones has played, all you have to do is look around at what you've seen around the NFL the last few days. Look at the mess that the New York Jets are in when they tried to upgrade from Sam Darnold. They've made everything worse. Look at the way Tua played. Look at the the Indianapolis Colts, who are now on their third quarterback of the year. Look at what's going on in Washington, where they have an excellent team. They just don't have a quarterback. Look at what we saw yesterday in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers, one of the best quarterbacks of all time, overthrowing wide receivers in the end zone for touchdowns. He threw an interception yesterday. Tom Brady was terrible until late in that game for Tampa Bay yesterday. The point is, look around the league. Quarterbacks are not perfect. No quarterback, especially one that's asked to throw the ball more than 40 times in a game, no quarterback is going to throw every single pass exactly where it needs to be thrown. You know, yes, Daniel Jones threw an interception. Yes, that ball was just slightly behind Isaiah Hodgins. But that was Patrick Peterson who made that interception. That's a cornerback who's probably going to end up in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. There's a lot of cornerbacks who don't make that play, even though that ball is not perfectly thrown. And I guess my point is, Daniel Jones is a free agent at the end of this season. And if you look around the league and you objectively look around the league, there are a lot of NFL football teams that wish they had a quarterback playing as well as Daniel Jones is playing. And and if Giants fans don't recognize that, like I said, I just, I just don't know what else to say. If they don't recognize that, then, then I just don't think they're being objective about it. I think that there's a preconceived notion that, that Jones wasn't going to cut it and isn't going to cut it. And and you're just not willing to look at what you're actually seeing on the field. Yeah. I would say there are fewer than 10 teams in the NFL who at this point in this season have a quarterback that's really performing better than he is. And And he's doing every, he's doing everything that the giants ask him to do. And, and, you know, Saturday, they asked him to do something they really haven't asked him to do all year. They asked him from the first drive of the game to win the game with his arm. And he did everything humanly possible to, to try to get that done. And in the end, in the end, it wasn't Daniel Jones who let the Giants down. It was Daniel Bellinger fumbling a ball in scoring territory. It was Richie James dropping two critical passes in the fourth quarter. It was faulty pass protection that had him running for his life. You know, Evan Neal having another really rough game. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Evan Neal. I think I'm wondering, and to be honest with you, after that sprained MCL, 
that caused him to miss time earlier in the year. I wonder how healthy the young man is. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Back to Daniel Jones. I just, I don't know what more he could have done on uh, on Saturday than, than he did. And uh, like I said, I just, if you're, if you're looking at Daniel Jones and, and thinking that that he's not a good NFL quarterback, and we can argue about is he top ten, is he whatever. But if you're looking at Jones and and you don't think he's a good NFL quarterback, that then you and I are just not looking at the same things. Right, and 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 obviously he's not perfect. Okay, so he had the interception. Uh, Occasionally he'll he'll throw a ball and get a completion, but ball is not in optimum position for the for the receiver catching the ball to then gain a lot of yards afterwards, and so he loses some some yards after catch uh, with his with his ball placement in certain situations. On the other hand, I think he throws some beautiful balls in a lot of other situations, and yeah, I I think the key is you you look at all the other quarterbacks around, and there are relatively few of them that that are are obviously better than than he is this year and uh you didn't even mention uh, russell wilson who either is washed or or is showing that outside the a particular system he's not a very good quarterback uh then you have teams like san francisco who seem to be quarterback proof they can throw anyone in there at quarterback and still defeat an, an opponent and it doesn't seem to matter who the quarterback is but but there are very few other teams where the quarterback is really performing better than, than Jones is and is driving the team to victory. Absolutely. And when you factor in how much he's done with his legs and how much he's done with his toughness this year, um, you know, but one of the things that uh, let's get off Daniel Jones for, for just a minute here, because I think we could, uh, we could talk about Jones, you know, for, for a good long while, but I think we've both made the point that, that we see Jones as a good NFL quarterback. I think we'd both like to see Daniel Jones come back next year. And uh, what I want to say about Saturday's game, and I think it's maybe the last thing that I'll say about, about that loss is, one of the things that I have said all year, one of the things that I have pointed out all year, as the Giants have been so good in these one-score games, I think now 8-3-1 and one in one-score games, the Giants have a very narrow path to victory. And part of it is because of the roster that they have, because of 
because of oftentimes the lack of explosive playmaking, maybe the lack of difference makers in the secondary where Patrick Peterson made a nice interception on, on Saturday, the giants dropped another interception drop. Well, if you count the Cordell flat play, they, they didn't come up with a pair of interceptions, but the fact for the giants is that they are not good enough yet. They are not talented enough yet to overcome not being perfect against good teams to overcome missing scoring opportunities. If they, if they cash in those scoring opportunities, even with field goals, maybe they win that game. They're not good enough to overcome giving up points because they get a blocked punt late in the game. Maybe when you continue to build this roster out, you know, maybe you have a talented enough wide receiver or talented enough, a couple of talented enough defensive players that they make those difference-making plays that help you overcome your own mistakes. But right now, the Giants just don't have enough of those players. Yeah, and and I think really, well, I don't want to say especially on defense, but in yesterday's game, I thought it was the absence of such players on on defense that cost them the game. Um, obviously, I mean, Justin Jefferson is, is probably the best receiver in the league. So he's going to, he's going to get his catches. He's going to get his yards, but, but to have the Vikings, you know, third and 11 out of field goal range and, uh, and then to let him get 17 yards on a, on a screen pass to, to put them into, into long field goal range. That was really the, the killer play for them. And I think, you know, most of the day it was it was the defense giving up receptions to Jefferson and to TJ Hawkinson, who, you know, another another tight end having a career day against the Giants defense. <laughs> There's, a, I think, a whole list of them in the in the NFL who who seem to seem to do that. So I think, you know, that that's if the Giants secondary and linebackers were were better I think you'd see the Giants with probably no no worse than a ten and five record uh, right now, and 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 yes, the offense hasn't done a whole lot during the year, but I thought on Saturday the offense did do a lot. They they moved the ball, they got points, and uh, they scored enough points where they should have been able to win the game. Absolutely, but they did leave a couple of uh, they did leave a couple of of opportunities uh, on the field as well. Tony, I want to. Sp- been forward a little bit and talk about the upcoming weekend we posted playoff scenarios at big blue view and and obviously the giants are win and in the all of the different prognostication sites look at the giants with a 90 or 90 percent chance or higher of making the playoffs the giants should be a they should get into the playoffs at this point. I I don't know about you, but what I want to see from this football team on Sunday, the pressure's on the Giants on Sunday. They're playing a team that they should beat. They're playing a team that they're favored to beat, which even at even at eight and six and one, the Giants are not often favored. This is a game that if the if the Giants are a true playoff team, this is a game where they should come out. They should win this game. I don't want to say they should win this game handily, but but they need to come out of Sunday with 
winning this game. Yes, there are scenarios where they can still clinch even over the weekend. They can still clinch if the other teams that are behind them in the playoff race lose. But you want to see this team win its way into the playoffs. And you really don't want it to come down to any sort of week 18 scenario where you have to beat the Eagles or you have to uh, hope for help from, uh, from other teams. So for me, you want to prove that you're a playoff team. You want to prove how far you've come. This is a game on Sunday. You, you want to see the giants go out and take this game. Yeah, I you don't want to see the Giants get into the playoffs with a record of eight, eight, and one, meaning they lost their their last three games and uh, and just backed into the playoffs because everybody else uh, lost too. And it has nothing to do really with the Giants advancing in the playoffs because I think that the odds are that even if the Giants do get into the playoffs, you know they're going to lose in the first round. If, if they do make the playoffs, their most likely opponent in the first round is, is San Francisco. And do I think the Giants can beat San Francisco? I think no, no way the Giants can beat San Francisco. I think San Francisco is a a very good team. They might even be good enough to beat the Eagles. Um, And so, and so it's really not about advancing in the playoffs, getting to the Super Bowl this year. uh, It's, it's too early, I think, to think that. And we know this team has too many flaws to, to think that way. It's a question of whether they, can maintain and build upon what they've created over the first uh, 15 games of the season, whether they can, can maintain that through to the end. And as you say, you know, beating a team like the Colts, a team that can, that could very well beat them. The Colts have, have played a number of teams, very tough the Colts almost beat the Eagles a few weeks back uh, for example. And, uh, and they almost beat uh, Dallas at Dallas. And so there's, it's, it's not a question of the Colts being a terrible team. The Colts are a team that has actually a pretty good defense and, and, and some talent on offense, but they're, they're in the midst of their own quarterback search and their coaching situation has been just a mess this year. And so they haven't lived up to what they thought they could be, but they are not a terrible team and they could certainly beat the Giants. And so do the Giants show up and play the type of game you have to play against a team like that in order to take advantage of their weaknesses, put the doubt in the other team's mind, and then and then close the win. And that I think that's what we're looking for on Sunday. Absolutely. And I will be honest with you, Tony, I think I turned the clock back a little bit to the uh, Houston Texans game. That was the, the last time that the Giants played an opponent where I looked at it and said, this game for the Giants absolutely has to be a victory. And, and the Giants won that game. But what bothered me about that game and was still how close to the vest the Giants played it. I mean, they asked Saquon Barkley to carry the ball 35 times. I thought that was a team where they could have maybe opened up the passing attack a little bit more and tried to take advantage of the Texans and made life a little bit easier on themselves. And and, and hopefully the Giants don't play this game so close to the vest on Sunday that, that that they make it harder on themselves than it, than it needs to be. Yeah. I'm, 
I'm hoping that too. I'm not sure that I'm expecting that. Um, I think the Giants opened it up against Minnesota. I, I mean, who knows what was going through the mind of Brian Dable and, and, and the other coaches. But uh, I think that they did this uh, on on Saturday, I should say, against uh, the, the Vikings because A, they, they sense that the Vikings don't have a great defense and that this is a team that you could pass the ball on. And they probably also sensed that the Vikings were likely to roll up the yardage and maybe the points against the Giants defense. Uh, because when you're when you're dealing with so many injuries in the secondary, uh, you don't want to be facing a team with a receiver like Justin Jefferson. And so they might have gone in saying, look, we, we got to try to win this game and we don't think we can win this game with the with the close to the best approach against Indianapolis, which has a better defense than minnesota i'm not sure that they don't go back to the kind of ball control run the ball a lot uh, type type of offense so i'll be interested to see how they come out and whether it looks like they're wh- whether it looks like last weekend was a a beginning of something new for how they call a game or whether whether it was just a one week sample that we got due to a particular opponent that's going to go back now to, as you say, the way they, they played against Houston, which was very conservative considering the opponent. Yeah. I just think that Brian Dable says every week that they do what they think is necessary to win a football game. And I think that they looked at the, the Minnesota front versus the Minnesota secondary. And they looked at the, the, the statistics from the season, which tell you that Minnesota hasn't covered the pass very well. And they felt like, like within what they do, that that through the air was the best way to win the game. I thought uh, so. So that wasn't. It was nice to see that they felt like they could put a game in Daniel Jones' hands. But uh, but I I think as Dable says all the time, I think it's I think it's week to week. Um, Tony, as I'm scrolling through comments and such here. That we're getting from our YouTube folks. Uh, before we call it a show, there's one comment from Sean Prather that I wanted to address. He just mentions quickly that he didn't understand some of the blitzes that the Giants employed on on Saturday. I think the one in particular that that people are stuck on is the third and eleven, or the. the I I don't remember if it was third and eleven or third and nine. I think it was third and eleven. The the last play before the screen pass that set up the uh, the eventual game winning field goal, where the Giants sent six or seven rushers and, and left man to man coverage in the secondary. And look, you know, Nick Filato and Chris Flum basically said this on their post game live stream. Wink Martindale is Wink Martindale, and he's going to do what he's going to do. In critical situations, Wink Martindale is going to send the house. And the fact of the matter was, that's Justin Jefferson. That's the best wide receiver in football. The Giants don't have anybody who's going to cover him perfectly and blanket him in man-to-man coverage one-on-one it's just not going to happen to me wink martindale's personality is pressure the giants defensive personality now is pressure it's not coverage the giants played to their personality 
They got pressure on Kirk Cousins. He made a good enough throw, not a great throw, but he made a good enough throw. And, and Justin Jefferson, the best wide receiver in football, made a play. To me, the Giants just played to their personality. If the Giants sat back and played eight men in the secondary and played zone and and rushed three and gave Kirk Cousins all kinds of time, guess what? He's going to find Justin Jefferson or TJ Hawkinson or Adam Thielen. He's going to find one of those guys anyway. So they played to their personality, and I had no problem with it. Yeah, I feel the same way. Uh, obviously, it's a gambling defense, and the and the gamble didn't work at that time. Uh, but you know, the, uh, again, it's a situation where the Giants just don't have the the secondary people back there right now who can prevent these types of plays. You know, I thought that that the that the big problem was that once Jefferson had the ball, because it was a screen pass, uh, if I remember correctly. Uh, they they let him get so much yardage after he after he caught the ball, and uh, you know it's it, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. I think against a team with an offense uh, like that, and 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 in that case, I, I think you tip your hat to the to the opposing offense and say, well, they got the job done. Absolutely, those guys get paid too. Kirk Cousins is a really good NFL quarterback. Justin Jefferson is the best wide receiver in football. T.J. Hawkinson is a is a terrific tight end. You looked at that play and and it that the screen pass, you kind of had to know that that in some fashion or another the Vikings were going to try to get the ball to Jefferson. The play was simply incredibly well blocked. I don't know I don't know if the Giants could have done a better job getting off of those blocks. I suspect maybe you know maybe with a different player out there in the secondary, maybe somebody gets off a block and makes a play. But, but as Brian Dable always says, when you look at the play, the way that the Vikings set it up, they had a hat for a hat. They had a blocker for every Giants defender. They made a play, and then a guy makes a career-long field goal. And, you know, at that point, I don't know about you, but I was, I was desperately wishing that they could move the field goal outside. <laughs> outside into the cold weather at that yeah. point but yeah yeah well you know and, and guy hadn't made a field goal i think longer than 56 and so he beat his i mean he not only beat his previous high by five yards but it looked like the field goal would have been good from 66 it was that was a justin tucker type of uh, yeah uh, he he hammered that thing it yeah. certainly didn't help that he was inside in perfect no. conditions but he hammered that thing and, and as you made mention of earlier, there is there is something about the Giants and game-winning 60-some-yard field goals against them that it just gives you a sinking feeling at this point every time one of those comes up. Yep, yep. Well, I mean, we uh, we we got one back because we we signed one of the guys who made one of the sixty yarders against us, and he's now our kicker. And well, I guess he hasn't been making sixty yarders; he's been making fifty five fifty five yarders pretty routinely for the Giants. So there's that. Yeah, you know, Graham Gano is tremendous, and uh, and you know, I I hope he uh, I hope he kicks for the Giants for for a few more years. But mm-hmm. uh, anyway, Tony. Huge game coming up for the Giants on Sunday. I saw Saquon Barkley taking to social media, you know, 
asking for uh, fans to be fired up on on Sunday, looking for crowd support, and I'm sure that the Giants will get it. This is the uh, the biggest football game that the MetLife Stadium crowd has seen in a very very long time. I'll be in the press box, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, and it, it should be a, a really really fun day. It's actually hard to believe that there's going to be a game like that uh, at, at MetLife. You're so used to to just kind of right, playing out the end of the season before sparse crowds that are at a stadium that's populated mainly by uh, the opposing team. But I, yeah, I don't think that's going to be the case on Sunday. Absolutely. And, and as I said earlier in the show, you know, keep some perspective here, Giants fans. This team was 4-13 and a year ago, five straight double-digit loss seasons before this year. And nobody saw this coming, so this is a tremendous opportunity for the Giants. I uh, hope you guys, uh, you know, hopefully it work, It turns out well, but make sure you're in front of your television. If you're not in front of the stadium, big day for the Giants, biggest day that, uh, that potentially that they've had in, in a long time. All right, Giants fans, that's our, our show for today. Thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, please make sure that uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, please l- sh- like, share, and subscribe. If you're listening to us across the Big Blue View Radio Network, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to uh, stay safe out there, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on home mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.